All right, good morning. Thank you for tuning in with us online. Man, we just had some great, great worship. We tried to tell y'all last week to be in the building. So if you missed it and you're wondering, why are y'all coming on so late this morning? Well, we had an extended time of worship. We had one of our friends uh, that Tamara and I have long, known for a long, long time, Megan in the house. She came and she helped lead this morning. And I remember the first time I heard Megan speak, I not speak, but sing, way back in 2006, I was like, who is this girl on the stage singing? And where did they find her? And she has been a blessing to us for so long. So y'all give it up for Megan. Thank you so much for coming down and worshiping with us this morning. And uh, man, I'm excited to share with you guys this morning. Uh, last week, what did I talk about last week? I forgot. I forgot. I can't even remember. It just blanked my mind what I talked about last week. But anyway, faith. Faith gives. That's right. Faith gives. You know, the days roll around and you forget what you preach. But uh, yes, faith gives. I encourage you to go back and listen to that because I can't even remember. So it was good. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, but it, no, it really was good, though. I do remember that message. But uh, go back and listen to it. All the notes. For this message, uh, all the previous message, messages, you can download our app, New Life Church of Mobile, and you can follow along just like you can this morning. And let's open up in a road of prayer, and then we're going to dive right in. Holy Spirit, thank you for today. We thank you for your presence. Oh, it's so strong in this room. I thank you that it's refreshing us this morning, that it's restoring us this morning, and it's putting our perspective and our gaze and our focus back on you. And I thank you over these next few moments. Open up our hearts to receive a word directly from you. We bind distractions of the enemy of any kind. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to talk to you uh, about a passage of Scripture that's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. It's from the Old Testament, and it comes from 2 Kings chapter 3. And I know the world is full of drama, and the world loves drama, but there's some drama in the Bible. All you have to do is read your Bible, and there's a lot of drama and a lot of great stories in the Bible. And this is one of my favorite stories. But today, if you're writing notes, you can write this down. If you're not, you can write this down as well. But uh, I'm preaching today on the subject of can you dig it? Can you dig it? Y'all say, can you dig it? Can you dig it? And before I read uh, the story, I just want to give you a little background of where we are, where we're going to pick up in the story, because I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to just pick up here. So there was a king in Israel named Jehoram, and he was the father, I'm sorry, he was the son of Ahab. So Ahab was the king of Israel. Ahab died. Jehoram became the new king. And the word says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as much as his father and mother. And so he did just a little bit better than his father and mother, but he still did evil in the Lord's sight. But there was a king in Moab that when King Ahab was king, he was a sheep herder, and his name was Misha, king of Moab. And he would regularly, and I wrote this down because I didn't want to forget, he regularly paid the king of Israel 100,000 lambs of wool and 100,000 rams. But when King Ahab died, he stopped giving that tribute offering to the king of Israel. So now Jehoram is upset, and he said, wait a minute, just because my dad 
died and I'm the king now, you're going to stop giving the tribute offering that, that you once gave? So he got upset. And so what he did is he went out and he got two other kings and he told them what was going on. And he said, let's join forces and let's go take on this king of Moab because he's disrespected me. And so he got them together and they said, okay, your fight is our fight. We're with you. My armies are your armies. And they're like, let's go take on the king Moab. So that's where we're going to pick up in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. And it's going to get good. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on the roundabout route for seven days. How many days? Seven days. And there was no what? No water for the army, nor for the animals that followed them. So think about this. So King Aram, uh, Jehoram, he sends them on a mission. Let's go attack this king. So they go in a roundabout way for seven days with no water for them or their animals. Now, I could feel that I don't know how long you've gone without water before. I've never gone seven days without water. I wouldn't even try. But you'd walk in. You got animals. You got armor. You're, in, you're ready for battle. Seven, that's a long time without water, right? All right, verse 10. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them in the land of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here? that we may inquire of the Lord by him, by him. So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here. He poured water on the hands of Elijah. Verse 12, and Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Edom, went down to him. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, what, I have, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets, your father, and the prophets of your mother. Remember, the word of the Lord said that he did evil in the sight of the Lord, just not as bad as his mother and father. So when they went to Elijah for a word, Elijah was like, well, why don't you go to the prophets that your mother and father served? Why, why are you coming to me? Because they, they, those were the ones that you serve. Now that you're in desperation and in the desperate, now you want to come to God. Now you want to come to me. And he said, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even be standing here in your presence. I can imagine Jehoram, he's standing there like, oh, I, I, did, I, I wasn't expecting that. But alas, that's what Elijah told him. He was like, go back to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, no, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them in the hand of Moab. In verse 14, and Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. I would not look at you nor see you only for Jehoshaphat. But now bring me a musician. Okay, he said that now, now bring me a musician. Then it happened that when the musician played, the, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of what? Ditches. Ditches. Now, wait a minute. They're in the wilderness in a roundabout way. They're going to fight King Moab. It's three armies. They had no water for, three, for seven days for them or their animals. 
they, they, they realize we're in trouble. Is there not a prophet of the Lord, someone that we can speak to about this? Oh, Elisha is here. He comes to get them. Oh, give me a musician. Oh, dig some ditches. Dig some ditches? I, I, I don't know what they were thinking, but I would be thinking, okay, we need water. We don't need ditches. We need water. And you says, make this valley full of ditches. But wait a minute. This valley, there is no water. We need water. We're struggling. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is, the simple, this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also, you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. All right. Dig ditches. Y'all say dig ditches. I don't know if you've ever dig ditches before, but dig- digging ditches is hard work. Not to mention, you've been wandering for seven days without water. And you are in a desperate situation. You say, I need a word from the Lord. Because the Lord, I know, wouldn't it have been cool if the Lord was like, okay, Elisha, this is the word of the Lord. Here comes some water out of the ground to, to, to quench your thirst and you and your animals. And you're like, what a mighty miracle the Lord has done in this valley. But no, the word of the Lord says, dig ditches. Make this valley full of ditches. But I love what Elisha did. Elisha knew that they came to him for a word. But in the midst of their trouble, they knew where to go to find a word from God. And what this speaks to us is this, is that there are going to be times in your life where you're going to be dry. There's going to be valleys in your life where you feel like, I don't know what to do, but I know I need a word from God. So our encouragement from this story is this, is that when you in the, find your place in the valley of dryness, when you feel like I'm dry, you need to know where to go to hear a word from God. Where do, what, where do you go to hear a word from God? So they went to Elisha. But I love Elisha's response. He said, just because you came to me for a word from the Lord, I'm not just going to give you a word from the Lord. I need a musician. Bring me a musician. Now, they're ready for battle. Elisha says, I need a musician. Why does Elisha need a musician? Because he knew that in order for me to receive a word from the Lord, I need the presence of the Lord. So before I could give you a word from the Lord, let's usher in the presence of the Lord. What were we just doing for the past 45, past 50 minutes? We were ushering in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because all of us need a word from the Lord. So you can't just say, oh, I need a word from the Lord and just think you're going to skip out on his presence. No, it's in his presence that ushers in his presence for you to receive the word that you need. So we can't neglect the presence of the Lord because it's in the presence of the Lord that prepares the atmosphere for him to speak. And Elisha said, I know y'all desperate, but guess what? Before I give you, let me prepare myself by entering into the presence of the Lord. 
So this morning, I don't know what valley you find yourself in, but you find yourself in the right place in the presence of the Lord. Why? Because now you've positioned yourself to hear a word from the Lord. So many times we go through life dry and we say, you know what? I'm going to figure it out. Oh, oh, you know, I know it's been a tough patch. It's been a, I had a rough go at it, but I'm going to figure this thing out because I'm strong. Yeah, your strength is only going to hold up for a little bit. You need to know where to go to receive the word from the Lord. But more importantly, you need to know where to go to get into the presence of the Lord. And despite King Jehoram's evil ways, he knew that, hey, I know these prophets that I've served and all these idols that I've worshipped, they don't satisfy. I need to go to the one true God. And we just read this in, I think it was yesterday or Friday in, in our readings. And it was pretty much, I'm just going to, uh, I'm just going to paraphrase what it says. It says pretty much we can't deny that God is in our hearts or the intents that we have because the word says that God already knew that you knew. He already knew that you knew, meaning that you can't say, well, I didn't know what to do. The word, you already know in your heart you need God. You already know in your heart that you need God's presence. But what do we do? We run. We run because we know it may be in the presence of the Lord that he speaks a word that we know we need to hear, but we don't want to hear. Who wants to hear dig ditches? (laughs) Dig, make this valley full of ditches. Ditches is hard work. Not only is it hard work, seven days without water, and you're tired, (laughs) make this valley full of ditches. So that lets us know, even in the midst of you being tired and weary, there are going to be certain ditches you're going to have to dig. And that's where I want to land today. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Because there are going to be certain ditches that the Lord is going to ask you to dig by faith in order to receive what you want. Because if you remember, Elisha said, make this valley full of ditches. And then he told them what would happen if they did so. But they had to do it by what? By faith. And if they didn't do it by faith, they wouldn't receive the victory that they wanted. They wouldn't receive water. They wouldn't have received anything. But the the word of the Lord was, make this valley full of ditches. So by faith, there are going to be some ditches that you're going to have to dig. But ditches take hard work. And what do we not like? Hard work. We like, Lord, just make the water bubble up from the ground and let me be refreshed in your presence. No, 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 it doesn't work. Sometimes it works that way, but most of the time the Lord says, make this valley full of ditches. And ditches, Lord, I don't know how to dig a ditch. Just start digging. Start digging. So that's where we're going to land today. We're going to talk about by faith or in your faith, these are ditches that you're going to have to dig by faith in order to receive what it is that you need from God. The first thing or the first ditch that you're going to have to dig is maturity. You're going to have to dig maturity. In our lives, in order for mature to mature in the things of God, 
And to understand God, you're going to have to start digging ditches of maturity. But maturity only comes by this, digging ditches of consistency. You can't be mature if you're not consistent. When you become consistent in the things of God, guess what? You're on the road to maturity. But as long as you're back and forth wavering, as long as you're constantly inconsistent, you'll never have any stability or maturity in your life. You'll never have any solid foundation that you can stand on because you're constantly going back and forth. Oh, I'm going to serve God this week, but this week I'm not. And, and, and when you're in time of need, you don't really know what to do because there's no consistency. But when you become consistent in the things of God and you mature over time, yes, you may reach dry patches, but guess what? You know where to go to find the presence of God. You say, I know exactly what I need to do to get back on track because I've been consistent in my walk. And when not things get off, usually there's a lack of presence of God in my life or there's a lack of word of God in my life. And I need to get back consistent in his presence and in his word so I can begin the process of maturity to continue in my life. But if there's no consistency, you can't mature. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 through 7. It says, and now, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thanksgiving. The more that you begin to mature in the things of God and the more consistent you become, your roots will go deep and the more you will become like Christ. But the less consistent you are, the more you're going to be more like yourself. And we can see the fruit of that in your life. How do you like the fruit of yourself? How do you like the consistency of the fruit of your life that it produces? Does it produce a consistency of fear? A consistency of doubt? A consistency of of despair or discouragement or helplessness and hopelessness. And what does the consistency of your fruit bring? I know what the consistency of maturing in Christ and following his ways does and allowing my fruit to grow deep, my roots to grow deep. It brings joy. It brings life. It brings victory. My spirit man begins to grow strong. And when times of difficulty come, instead of being fearful and doubtful, my spirit man rises up and says, victory is already mine. I receive it by faith, and I'm going to walk through whatever I need to walk through because I know victory is on the other side. But if you never mature and become consistent in the things of God, you'll never receive that, and you'll never have the perspective to even think that. But you have to be consistent. And so what areas do we need to mature in? I wrote down a few things. We need to mature in our thoughts and our words. Our thoughts and our words, we need to mature in. Because what leads us? Our thoughts and our words. The things that you think and the words that you say, they lead you. What are the words that you speak over yourself? What are the thoughts that you have about yourself? Oh, I'm not good enough. I always mess up. I'll never amount to anything. Things in this never work out for me. It just wasn't in my hand, I guess. The Lord just saw fit that I would just struggle my whole life. And when you have thoughts 
and speak words of that over yourself, you'll never mature in the things of God, and you'll never want to pursue God because you'll always think God is against you. Oh, but when you begin to mature in your thoughts and you say, great is his thoughts towards me. Oh, he has great plans for me. It is his will that I prosper. It is his will that I be blessed from generation to generation. It is his will that he has a plan and a hope and a purpose for me, that he loves me dearly, that I'm the apple of his eye. And when you begin to mature in your relationship with God, your thoughts towards him and yourself and the words that you speak begin to change. And when you do feel weak, you say, you know what? I do feel weak, but in him, I am strong. Your words begin to change. No, I don't need to know it all, but I follow and serve the one that does. And as long as I continue to serve him and follow him and humble myself before him, he's going to show me exactly what it is I need to do. So why do I need to fear? Why do I need to worry? I just need to trust in God. But you have to mature in your thoughts and your words in order to have that perspective. What other areas do we need to mature in? We need to mature in our actions. Sometimes it's our actions that keep us away from God. The things that we partake in, the things that we do. Well, you know, I just don't feel like going to church today. It's been a long week. I think I deserve a break. I've worked hard. And it's our actions, the things that we do, the things that we allow and expose ourselves to, that keep us away from God and venturing in the things of God. So we have to say, no, my actions will show that I am in a pursuit of a relationship with God. So what does that mean? My actions show that wherever there's an open door for me to enter into the presence of God, I'm going to be there. So if there's a prayer meeting, I'm going to be in a prayer meeting because my actions are starting to show and I'm maturing in my actions and say, God, I need you. How do, how do you show one that you need them? By being there for them and constantly seeking them in their presence. How does God know that you need him? By constantly being in his presence, telling him, God, I need you. Because you can say, God, I need you, but your actions show otherwise. Your actions show that you need the television. Your actions show that you need to go do whatever it is that you like to do. But a person that's truly desperate for the things of God, their actions will show this is a person that's desperate for the things of God the actions will begin to mature and show. What else begins to, needs to mature? Our decisions, our decision-making. Our decisions need to change to show that, hey, I'm maturing in the things of God. You know, when you first get saved, there's grace for us. There's grace throughout. I don't want to just say just when you're saved. There's grace throughout our whole life. But usually when you first get saved, when you're still growing and developing in the things of God, sometimes your decisions aren't where they should be only because you don't know. And this is something that you just, well, this is just what I'm used to or what I grew up. This is what I know. But when you begin to mature in the things of God, your decisions should begin to reflect that you're maturing in the things of God as well. And when you begin to mature in the things of God, your decisions begin to change. Like I said before, like, just like your actions. You know, I know that I am tired, but I need to be in the presence of God because I need a touch from him. You know, the times that you're most tired is the time you need the presence of God the most. Because the enemy attacks you more when you're tired than when you're full of joy. Think about it. When you're full of joy, you're excited. Why, why, why would the enemy come in then? He's going to come when you're at your lowest point. 
And at your lowest point, that's when you need the presence of God. And your decisions have to say, you know what? Instead of just sulking in my bed, sulking in my home, being discouraged and depressed and, and upset and angry and bitter, you know what? I'm going to go and get into the presence of God. I'm going to turn on some worship music. And I'm going to turn off the television. I'm going to break open the Bible, and I'm going to get in the Word. And my decisions are going to reflect that, God, I need you, and God, I trust you, that my hope is on you. When you begin to trust God, your decisions begin to change where the world says, why are you doing those things? Because I trust God. Yeah. While they say, well, you should be doing this, you say, yes, I understand. That's okay for you. But as for me, I trust God. And because of such, my decisions reflect that I trust him. And it may not make sense to other people, but to God, God says, oh, look at my son and daughter. Oh, I'm so pleased with their decisions that they're making. They're showing that they trust in me. But you have to mature to the place where your decisions reflect that. The last thing is we need to mature in is our priorities. What's important to you? What's important to you? I'm just, you don't have to answer. I'm just asking. Actually, what's important to you? Some people, today is a Sunday Afternoon, was, yeah, mid-morning, afternoon now. Their priorities are, I need to go on the golf course. I need to go, this is a great day to take the boat out. You know, this is a great day to take the boat out. You could do it after church. But, but, but what are your priorities? Oh, the football games, are, I got to watch all the pregame shows. You can record it. They'll be there. You won't miss anything. But what are your priorities? You can tell a lot about a person's maturity by where their priorities are. Do you prioritize a relationship with God? Is that the highest priority in your life, or is it your work? Or is it your hobbies? Or is it other relationships? When you mature in the things of God, he is the highest priority. Everything else begins to fall under place under that. But you have to mature to the place to say, God, I don't care what's going on in my life. You are the highest priority. But all these things that I'm talking about, you have to dig ditches for. Can you dig ditches of maturity in your thoughts, in your actions, your decisions, and your priorities? You're going to have to dig ditches, and it's going to take work. It's not just going to happen overnight if you hadn't already made a practice of it. But this takes work. You're going to have to dig ditches for these things. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Y'all see what I'm saying now? Can you dig it? Can you dig those ditches? Also, what else areas do we have to dig ditches in? In our family and marriage. Help us, Jesus. You can't expect to have a happy family and marriage without digging ditches of a few things. If you want a happy family, I don't want to just, I don't want to just say happy. I want to say a God-centered, God-focused uh, family. There are certain things you're going to have to dig ditches in. One of the things, you're going to have to dig ditches of selfless, selflessness. You can't expect to have a great marriage or a great family and be selfish. You have to be selfless. And that takes digging ditches. Because you're after um, numero uno. That's the apple of your eye. You are. And our default mode is to think about ourselves before anybody else. Oh, but if you want to have unity and harmony in your family and in your marriage, you're going to have to dig ditches of selflessness. And it's easy to say amen right now until you actually have to start digging those ditches. And when that family member or that spouse is getting on your nerves, 
when it's easy. You know, sometimes it's easier. This was, and I'm married. Me and Tamar have been married for 11 years. And, you know, sometimes the enemy would try to make it seem like it's easier to wage war against your spouse and your family members than it is to bring unity and harmony. You know, it's just better just to get on each other's nerves. See how mad you can make them. Let's just see how mad you can upset them because that'll make you feel good. And then you're my, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to make them feel, that's, I'm going to make them upset because I'm angry with them. Okay, let's see how the unity and harmony goes in that house. Let's see how freely the presence of God flows in your home. But the enemy would love more, nothing more to bring division and strife and disunity and disharmony in your family and your marriages. But it starts with you and saying, I'm going to be selfless. Despite of what other people's actions are, it starts with me. And I'm going to say, I'm going to be selfless, but I got to dig ditches of self- selflessness. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us with digging ditches of selflessness. What are other ditches that we have to dig for our family and marriages? Service. You're going to have to dig ditches of service. Now, everybody's not blessed like tomorrow to have an awesome husband like me that's easy to serve. Now, we know that's not true. I'm just joking. But it's going to take a lot of dying to self to serve others, especially when you don't feel like it, especially when you're tired, especially when you feel like they don't deserve my service. What have you done to deserve my service? Because you know that's the first thing you want to say when it's time to serve. What do you, you don't deserve my service. What have you done for me lately? But if you want that unity and harmony, you're going to have to dig ditches of service. You want unity? You want harmony? You want peace in the home? Dig ditches of service. Selflessness, service, this is a big one, ditches of forgiveness. Ditches of forgiveness. The people that are closest to you are the ones that hurt you the most. So that means there's going to be a lot of forgiveness. And woe to us if we say, God, I receive your forgiveness, but I can't forgive others. The word says, God says that he can't forgive you if you can't forgive others. And the people that you live with usually going to be the ones that hurt you the most and disappoint you the most and that you're going to have to forgive the most. So we're going to have to start digging ditches of forgiveness. And you might as well just start right now. Before anything happens, you say, you know what? I'm about to start digging ditches of forgiveness right now. I'm going to make a decision of my heart. I'm going to, so, I'm going to start digging ditches of forgiveness right now. I'm going to start right now. I'm not going to wait till the event happens. I'm going to purpose it in my heart. I'm going to start digging ditches right now of forgiveness because I know eventually something's going to happen where I could get upset, I could get bitter, it could drive a wedge between us, but I'm not going to allow that devil because I want unity, I want harmony, I want peace in my home, in my marriage. So guess what? I'm going to dig ditches of forgiveness. But it's a decision, and it takes work. Digging ditches is hard. It's hard work, but you can do it. It's not that difficult that you can't do it. You just have to purpose in your heart that says, by faith, I'm going to do it. And by faith, whatever it is that I'm believing God for is going to happen because I'm digging these ditches by faith. You may not see the return on it immediately, but guess what? If you continue to sow those uh, ditches by faith, guess what? Eventually, it's going to turn. We sung that song, something has to break, it's going to break. Something is going to break. 
You just have to be consistent in digging those ditches, digging ditches of mercy and grace. Oh, you got to give forgiveness and you have to show mercy and grace because people are not perfect. And if you're expecting them to be perfect, look in the mirror because you're not perfect yourself. Isn't it funny that we expect other people to be perfect, but we're not perfect ourselves? That we expect more from them than we do ourselves? And I'm guilty of that myself. Then I'm like, how could you do this? Well, didn't you just do the same thing? Didn't you just have the same thought? But we put higher expectation on the people that we love than sometimes ourselves. It's like, I just want you to get it right so bad. Yeah, but that's undue pressure that you're putting on them. Just like we need the same mercy and grace from God, we need to give that to the ones that we love as well. Because you're going to have to dig ditches. You're going to have to dig ditches of mercy and grace. Just like you're going to have to forgive them, you're going to have to dig ditches of mercy and grace because they're going to mess up. It's 1129 right now. By 1230, they may mess up. By 1150, they may mess up. But you're going to have to extend mercy and grace. And the last thing, the ditch you have to dig for in your family marriage is time. You're going to have to dig ditches of time. You're going to have to make room. You're going to have to make time. We talked about priority. You're going to have to make time a priority as well. How does God know that you love him? By spending time with him. How does your spouse and your family members that know that you love them? By spending time with them. I love one of our elders, Elder Tony. He just got back from Korea, spending time with his family. They all journeyed together to meet up, to spend a couple weeks together, to say what? We love each other. We're going to spend time together, and we're not going to let distance keep us from spending time with one another. And I'm, I'm excited to hear about the testimonies of fun and joy and laughter that they've had together. And I know what. What is that? They said, we've made a priority of spending time together. We're going to Was it a sacrifice to travel across the world? Yes, it was. Was it a financial sacrifice? Yes. But I guarantee you he wouldn't trade that time in for the world. So you're going to have to dig ditches of time. We're digging ditches. Can you dig it this morning? The last area that we're going to have ditches for, if you want freedom, you're going to have to dig ditches. We all need freedom. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 12, it says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. And we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. We should live in this evil, I'm sorry, uh, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. Because the enemy will make it feel like sinful pleasure is great. Do whatever makes you feel good. Because that's what life is all about. Do whatever makes you. No, no, no. If you want freedom, you're going to have to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. Because those things lead to destruction. And not only does it lead to destruction, it leaves you to an eternity separated from God. There's no sinful pleasure worth me spending eternity separated from God in hell. I'm here to tell you, there's no pleasure this world can offer that's worth your soul. But you're going to have to dig ditches of freedom. What is this? This is you're going to have to dig ditches of repentance of sin. You're going to have to say, God, I've I've missed the mark. I've fallen short. And not, well, you know, we're not perfect, and I'm still, you're still working on me. Yes, he is still working on you, but there has to be repentance of sin. 
You know, some people say they repent, but what they're really saying is, I'm just sorry I got caught. You're not repentful. You're not repentive. You're just sorry you got caught. And if you didn't get caught, you wouldn't have said you were sorry. It's only that you got caught that you're sorry. But godly sorrow leads to repentance. And when you repent, you say, God, I was walking in this direction. Now I'm going in a completely different direction because I know how much this, uh, this, this sin that I'm doing or this lifestyle that I'm living, how much it separates from me and how much it hurts you and it puts you back on the cross. You paid for my freedom. Why do I need to go back and keep asking for, your mer- for things that I'm willingly, I'm talking about willful sin now, things that I'm willfully doing that I know or is against your word. You're going to have to dig ditches of repentance of sin. Also, you're going to have to dig ditches of accountability. If you want freedom, you're going to have to be accountable. What does that mean? That means that you're going to have to surround yourself with people that can check on you and say, so how, I know you were walking through this thing. How's this going? I know you just started this relationship. How's that relationship going? Are you keeping your relationship pure? Are you keeping everything in the light? I know you were going, you need people in your life that can ask you the tough questions. You, you need to dig ditches of accountability. Oh, I don't want anybody all in my business because people, they just, nobody wants to be all in your business. We want to see you make it to heaven. We want to see you make it to heaven. And that calls for ditches of accountability. Also, if you want to maintain your freedom, you're going to have to dig digits of boundaries. Just because you're grown don't mean you can do everything that you want to do. I'm grown. I can do whatever. I have. I pay my own bills. I have my own house. That's great. But you still need boundaries. And not just boundaries for physical boundaries. And in the course of you in a relationship, you're not married. You need physical boundaries. Because if you already attracted someone and you put yourself in situations, it's just a matter of time before something happens. And you can say, oh, I'm strong. No, you're not. I don't care how strong you think you are, something is going to go down. Something's going to break, and not in a good way, and not in a good way. And freedom, and all these things that I'm talking about, freedom, I'm talking about, and I meant to mention this earlier, freedoms from addictions, freedom from habits, and even financial freedom. All these things that I'm talking about are a, a part of this as well. So boundaries, if you need a financial freedom, you need boundaries in your spending. You need accountability in your spending. You need, you, what, what, what are these things? Do? These are safeguards to help you stay free. What does Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says? So Christ has truly set us free. So now make sure you stay free. So if Christ has set us free, whose responsibility is it for you to stay free? It's mine. So how do I do that? I dig these ditches that we're talking about. I dig ditches of repentance, of accountability, of boundaries, and I also dig ditches of vision. You say, what is vision? Vision is this. It's saying, now that I've gained my freedom, who can I encourage to help them walk in freedom as well? Because when you get vision from God that takes the focus off yourself and places it on other people, guess what? Now you have purpose. And when you have purpose, there's nothing more passionate and excited than seeing a person with purpose. Oh, when they have purpose, they're on fire. You can't stop them. 
But you need to ask God, God, give me vision. Who can I encourage to help walk in freedom as well? But you have to dig those ditches. And I'm going to end with this. I know we talked about the story at the beginning. Let's pick up at the end of the story to see how it ended. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 20. So Elijah gave him the word, fill this valley with ditches. Now what happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered, that suddenly water came by the way of Edom, and the land was filled with water. So if they didn't dig those ditches, the water wouldn't have came. And when all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to fight against them, all who were able to bear arms and older were gathered, and they stood at the border. When they rose up early in the morning, and the sun was shining on the water, and the Moabites saw the water on the other side as red blood. And they said, this is the blood the kings have surely struck swords and have killed one another. Now, therefore, Moab to the spoils. So, so what happened was God told them, dig the ditches. So they dug the ditches all night. And at just the right time in the morning, the Lord filled those ditches with water. So when the sun began to rise and those, the Moab army saw it, they thought the water looked like blood. And in their minds, they thought, oh, the kings, they, they fought against each other, and they've killed each other. Guess what? The victory is ours. Moab to the spoils. Let's go take all their plunder. Oh, but say wait. Verse 24. So when they came to the camp of Israel, Israel rose up, and they attacked the Moabites, and so that they fled before them, and they entered their land, killing the Moabites. Then they destroyed the cities, and each man threw a stone on every good piece of land and filled it, and they stopped up all the springs of water and cut down all the good trees. But they left the stones of Ker Harasheth intact. However, the slingers surrounded and attacked it. So the very ditches that God told them to dig was the very thing that brought them the victory. So all those ditches that I just talked about today, those are going to be the very ditches that God is going to use to bring you the victory in your life. You want the victory in your life? Start digging ditches. Because it's going to be those very ditches that's going to bring you the victory that you need in your life. You need victory of, of, in, your, in your maturity? Dig ditches. You need victory in ditches in your, in, your, in your family, in your marriage? Start digging some ditches. You need freedom? Start digging ditches because the very ditches that God asks you to dig are going to be the very things that he's going to use to bring you freedom. What would have happened if they said, Lord, we reject your word? We don't want to dig ditches. Then they wouldn't have received the victory. So what if you say, I don't want to dig these ditches. This is too much work. Then you won't receive the victory. But it was because of their obedience that they gained the victory. And just as Elisha prophesied and spoke the word, everything that he said came to pass just as he said, because they were obedient to dig the ditches, even if their minds, they didn't see what in the world they were doing. And sometimes God will ask you to start digging ditches. You say, God, I don't see it. It doesn't matter what you see. You just have to trust him and do it by faith and in obedience. And then you will see the victory. In the morning, you'll rise up and you will see a victory. So that's why I was digging those ditches. Yep, that's why you were digging those ditches. Because God wanted to use those to bring victory in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can bow your heads. Lord, I thank you today for this word.
And in these moments, just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you speaking to me? What are you speaking to me through this word, Lord? What are you speaking through me through this message? How would you have me respond? What ditches do I need to start digging? Lord, I thank you that you're close to us, that you're near. Lord, you're not far away, you're near. And I thank you that when we cry out to you, you hear our cries and you answer. So this morning, as we're saying, Lord, we come to you saying, Lord, we need to dig some ditches. We need to get busy digging. Help us, Lord God, as we dig those ditches to gain our freedom, to gain our victory in every area of our life. I thank you that you've given us the strength and the determination, Lord God, to continue to pursue you and not get weary in well-doing. Oh Lord, for those that are tired and weary, I pray that we take a new grip with our tired and weary hands. Oh, I pray that, they that we would find strength in your word and strength in your presence this morning. I thank you that renewed strength is coming to us this morning. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can keep your head bowed and your eyes closed, and I want to give one final invitation for you in the room and those online that maybe you find yourself in a position when you're, where you're away from God. And the ditch that you need to dig this morning is of repentance, repentance of sin. Will you say, God, I know that I'm away from you. If I were to die right now, I don't think I would make it to heaven. If you know that's you, or if you're unsure where you would spend eternity, I want to pray with you this morning so we can make sure, without a shadow of a doubt, that you're 100% sure where you would spend eternity. So if you know that you're away from God, maybe you find yourself in a position where you start serving God at one point, but you straight away, but you want to come back. I want to pray with you, whether you're in the room or online. And with no one looking around, if you're in this room this, day, this morning, I want to pray with you. So if you want to come into a right relationship with God, just lift your hand. I want to pray with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Max, everyone, just to place their hand over their heart. Just repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this moment where I can lay down my life and repent of my sin. And I thank you that in exchange, I receive your mercy, your grace, and your forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for writing my name in the Lamb Book of Life. And I thank you that for all of eternity, that I will spend it with you. Oh, what a joyous day will be when we meet face to face. And I thank you for forgiveness. I receive it today in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. If you prayed that prayer, congratulations. That is the greatest decision that you will ever make in your life. And I wanna be the first person to congratulate you on that. And so let's give it up one more time for those that made a decision 
to follow Christ, congratulations. And if you prayed that prayer and if you're in the room and the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. But on the back of it, it says, uh, I made a decision. Just fill that out. Drop it in the offering bucket on the way out. We love to connect with you. And if you're watching online, uh, comment in the comment section. Or you can email us at info at newlifemobile.org. Let us know what God did in your heart in that moment. And we would love to pray with you. Amen. Amen. Can you dig it? Y'all say, can you dig it? We have some ditches to dig. Amen. All right, but we're going to disconnect from you guys online in just a few moments. We just want to uh, give you a few announcements. Uh, this Wednesday, 6.30 p.m., October 4th, we have life groups. Come join us from life group. We have men's, ladies, children, young adult groups, groups for everyone. We're going to share a meal together, then we'll break off for groups. It's going to be a great time this Wednesday, 6.30. Also, if you're prepared to give, you could give uh, this morning. There's a couple ways you could do that. You could go to our website, which is New Life mobile.org you could give that way or you could download our app and you can give and this is also the first Sunday of the month of October so we're going to bless the tithe for the month of October and then you guys are dismissed online let's pray Lord I thank you for those that are prepared to give online I thank you Lord God for the month of October I pray this to be the greatest month of their lives financially I pray that you meet all of their needs let there be no lack I pray that you bless them Lord God with increase with promotion bonuses raises I thank you, Lord God, that, this way, that they will have more money than month at the end of the month. We thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for tuning in with us. We love to see you this Wednesday, 630 for Life Group and also next Sunday for prayer. You guys have a great, great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Amen. Well, God, why don't you guys stand to your feet? I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you guys, and then you guys are dismissed. And if you're prepared to give, you could come down and give in just a moment. Lord, I thank you again for those that are prepared to give today. I thank you, Lord God, for your provision, for your blessing over each and every person here. I thank you, Lord God, for the month of October. Let this be the greatest month financially that, that, that each and every one of us has seen, that this church has 